Well, I hope this is, is a main course, but I already had my main course. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> hey, uh, yesterday, the Love Life was amazing. It was, yes. Uh, gosh, there's a lot of people. Maybe you can give that, share that video. We, we, there was like, I don't know how many people were there. You couldn't estimate it. I couldn't, but the best part of it for me was watching that line of people that was walking around praying. I mean, there was a lot of people there praying. And so it was one of the best, one of those things I've been to. Just very uh, powerful and kind of organic feeling, which I kind of like that, you know. Anyways, uh, so I was happy to report that. Uh, praise the Lord. And I never really got a report from them. Did you get a report from them? Uh, I'm, I haven't got a report. Usually I get a report, but... Maybe they're running late, I don't know, to let you know about how many babies' lives were saved yesterday. And the best thing about that thing yesterday, what I loved about it, was they had women who were giving testimonies with the babies there that were in those abortion clinics. And the Holy Spirit somehow convinced them to get out of there. Yeah, and they, these little live babies, cute as buttons, you know, that are, are alive and living and going to get a chance to live like we've gotten this chance, you know? So, wow, praise God for amazing things like that. Amen? Well, I hope y'all had a great week. We was busy, but it was good. And I hope everybody had a good time at the fall festival last week. If you didn't, it's not my fault. I take no responsibility for if you had a good time, it's not my fault neither, so... I just like you, I showed up. It was really fun, though. All righty, I'm going to read the Bible right quick, the whole thing. Can you take it? I'm going to read Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Um, just to give you a few little thoughts out of this. You know, last week I read the story of the book of the church at Ephesus, but I only read half the story. And I'm going to read a little bit more of it today. <clears throat> It says, Nevertheless, I have this against you that you may, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly or remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Wow. Jesus hates some stuff, right? Mm hmm. He who has a he an ear. <laughs> He who has a hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So I'm going to say this again. The book of Revelation is the most easily misunderstood, right? Misinterpreted and scary book in the entire Bible by far. Amen. And I'm not here, I'm not no expert, and I'm not trying to go through this book, but there is stuff in this book that can help us right now today, okay? And, you know, there is great counsel from the Lord to churches. There's counsel from, from the Lord for us today uh, in chapter 2 and 3. And chapter 1 is just full of the beauty of the Lord Jesus, um, and I believe one of the things that the Lord wants to accomplish in our life is to, to break this negative bias that we have when we read the book of Revelation. Yeah. To break off this craziness that when we read this book and begin to see 
that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how can that be bad? That can be nothing but good, right? And if we'll begin to think about it like that and see this book like that, even the stuff in there that seems crazy uh, and, and that nobody really understands. You know, I mentioned last week there were like four main interpreters of the book of Revelation. And you, if you listen to somebody teach on those different uh, views, you, if you heard a person teach on like the first view, you would be convinced he was right. Because it all, you know, it sort of all lines up until the next guy comes up and teaches his view on it. And you would think he was right. And then you'd be like, which one's right? You know, well, the, the, here's the thing. We don't know, really. Nobody really knows, okay? But we do know this. We know that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ and that he wants to reveal himself to the church in a different way than he revealed himself in the Gospels. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You know, this is a more full revelation. When Jesus in the Gospels, it was Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, walking on the earth. Well, this revelation is Jesus, the King, the ascended King who sits on the throne of heaven. And it's the Jesus that's alive today, that's real today for us. Amen? Not saying that the Jesus in the book of, of Matthew is not for us. Of course he is. But there's more to Jesus. Okay, there's more to God than not any of us we're just, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue. And this is one of the beautiful things about this book is it describes, I, I think I told you, there's 90-something descriptions of Jesus in this book. 90-something descriptions of him. And most people, when you talk about the book of Revelation, they don't even think about Jesus. They think about the, the, the rapture. That's the big thing with people. Let's get over the rapture and get into Jesus. That's, that's what I think we need to get into. And when we get into him, then we can... Well, here's what I believe. If we can see this book different, we may be able to see our future different. Amen? God really wants us to see our future different than what than we've been seeing it. Because a lot of us have a hopeless-looking future. A lot of us have a negative future, and that is not the future that God has for the body of God. And that's the truth. And, and we need to shift our thinking. That's just my little thought. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you this review. I'm just going to review everything I preached last week, and then I'll be done because I'm about out of time. That's the way it's starting to feel here, okay? I'm good, though. I'm happy. Amen. Remember I told you last week, uh, you know, there's like seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor, which is Turkey today, uh, and each one of them, there's a, basic, there's a basic outline, okay? Jesus reveals him. He introduces himself to each church, in a unique way. And remember I told you. This is really key. The way he reveals himself to the churches. Is the way he wants that particular church to know him. And, and so for us. The way the Lord reveals himself to us. Is the way he wants us to know him at this moment. In other words you can't just live on the revelation. That he gave you last year or two years ago. Or back when you had a revival. That's, that's part of our, our issue is we need to know him how he's revealing himself now because that's how he wants us to know. It's just an amazing revelation. He does that, and, um, and then he uh, gives a condition, describes a little condition of the church, and then he praises them for their successes. Now, this is not a true on all of them, but, but generally just true. He praises them, and then he tells them how to correct their failures. There, there's failures in most of them. There's a couple of them he doesn't have that, but... And then he gives a promise and a blessing, okay? He gives a promise and a blessing 
And so um, in this church, um, he, you know, I just read, you know, the problem that they had was a loss of devotion to the person of Christ. That's, that was his, what he said, you know, that you've, you've lost your love. You've lost your first love. And that's a pretty big deal in the Lord's eyes. Lovelessness is a big deal. I think it's important, he said, this I have against you. I think we could preach a lot of messages on the word against. Anybody ever thought about that word? Against. Because the church is too much known for what we're against. Okay? In other words, let me just say this. We're against abortion, but the truth is we're for life. You hear what I'm telling you? You see, we got to focus on the life part. You know, the against part is not the whole, whole thing, but we, we can't just be a people of calls. You hear what I'm telling you? If all we are is a people of calls, our cause is to stop abortion. Our cause is to stop trafficking. Tra- cause is to end, you know, bad laws. Then we've missed, we've missed the mark. Amen. And God really wants to help us with that. He wants to help us to be for, but he is against some things. He's against abortion. Duh, right? That's a duh. You know, it really is. But really, he's for life, and that's why he's against abortion. And so against is a very powerful, powerful word in the Bible, I think. You know, I don't want to be known for what I'm against. Do you? Do you want to be known for what you're against? You know, and, but yet we communicate a lot of negative of what we're against instead of communicating what we're for. And I believe if we'd major on the four, the against will become apparent. You hear what I'm saying? It's really the truth. Uh, and so Jesus was saying, I'm against your loss of love. Okay? Uh, here's something. John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, when I believe, I believe what Jesus was talking about when he's talking about first love is the phrase he uses in the Bible. Well, y'all are just sort of looking at me with a bad look, okay? Cheer up. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, I believe he's not just talking about love for himself, but I think he's talking about love for one another, okay? Because I think the Bible is really clear that our love, our true love, for God is reflected in our love for one another. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what John, in the Gospel of John and in his letters. And so when a person begins to lose their hardiness, their passion for the Lord himself, it won't be long where they begin to lose their passion and love for each other. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, and so it's a downward spiral because, you know, our love for Christ dictates our love for everything, everything, you know, and so we can begin to have a love for the world, but the problem is we're losing our love for the person of Christ, and that's why Jesus said, I'm against that, because that's going to change your, that's going to entire life, it's going to impact your relationships, it's going to impact how you see the world, it's going to impact how you see lost people, hey, it's going to impact how you see your government, there's too much hate right now, y'all. 
There's too much hate in our country. Listen, let me tell you this. We have got to quit this, allowing the mood of the world to come into the church. The mood of the world is divisive, it's polarizing. Okay, there's all this bitterness out there and there's all this, this anger and there's all this wanting to, to fight each other. And that's the world. That is not what God has called us to, be, to indulge in. And I think the church is making a huge mistake when it begins to allow that to control them, us. In other words, if the world is going down and we're all messed up over it, we've allowed that to influence us. Where Jesus needs to be to influence us. We need to get, we talk about praying for heaven to come down. Is that heaven coming down? No. See, there's something wrong with us. Our theology, a lot of times, don't line up with our practice. You hear what I'm saying? We say, oh, we want God to come. We want heaven to invade earth and, and have all these beautiful prayers. But we walk out here speaking bitter things, saying stuff we shouldn't be saying. It doesn't mean we deny that there's problems. Obviously, there's problems. But that is not the answer. It's what I've told people for years trying to help young preachers. Hey, it's not that we need to go and tell people how bad they are when they come to church on Sunday. They already know they're bad. I come to church, I know I'm messed up and I need help. I don't need some preacher telling me. I need somebody to give me some answers how to get out of where I'm at. I need somebody to tell me how God really is, not the God that I have created in my mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? See, I believe we begin to shift things in our own hearts. We can shift things out there. But we'll never be able to shift things out there if we are walking around doing the same thing they're doing out there, thinking the same things, acting the same way, saying the same things. And that's really what Jesus was trying to get at here. You guys are becoming like your culture because you've lost your first love. And your culture now because there's a, you're creating a vacuum in yourselves. And the world is waiting. The devil is waiting to fill that with his, his counterfeit love, his counterfeit actions, his counterfeit thoughts. You know, Paul actually told the Ephesian church at one, back in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, he said, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. He commended this church. Paul the Apostle commended this church that they had such a love for one another. And now here Jesus is saying, y'all have gone wrong. You've lost that. You've lost something. You've lost something. And what you've lost is going to diminish you. And what you've lost is going to hurt you. Yep. I wanted to read this little, you know, Tony uh, puts our messages on the website where you can go and listen to them along, you know, that was, we started doing that years ago before YouTube and all that good stuff, but he makes me write a paragraph. Gosh, how do you like being, dis having to do things that make you disciplined? I hate stuff like, I don't want to write a paragraph. I don't even want to think about a paragraph. Because then I'll have to worry about my grammar, <laughs> you know, and all that, you know. But here's what I wrote. I'm just reading it to you because I like this. I, th I thought about it. The letter to the church at Ephesus reveals that the loss of love for the Lord and his people is one of the most severe problems a church can have. The church at Ephesus is the only one, listen to this, y'all. It's the only one Jesus warns with removing their lampstand. 
Jesus doesn't even give that warning to the church at Laodicea that we have beaten into the ground, who he said was wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He did not say, you're going to lose your lampstand to that church, but to the church at Ephesus. Hey, does that tell you something? Does that kind of wake you up to how he feels? That love is important. It's more important than anything. That's how he views love. When he talks about removing the lampstand, what he is saying, there will no longer be my church in Ephesus. That's what he warned them of. You will no longer be my church because you've lost love. Because love has become a secondary thing. And you can get a lot of, lot of counterfeit views on Christian love, you know, and all that. But the truth is, love in, in God's eyes is the most important thing there is. Because God is love. And out of everything we do, it has to come out of love. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If it's not grounded in His love, eventually we're going to fall short. The Bible even talks about faith. Faith is energized by love. A faith that's not energized by love is not a godly faith. It's a faith that's counter. It's a, it's a mixture of faith. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's really important. So, well, I spent a lot of time doing that, didn't I? So the most important message to the church or in, this, this really is the most important message to a church or any of us individually. In, in, in essence, all the things I read to you last week about how awesome that church was, Jesus was basically saying this, all of that is awesome, but if you lose your love, as far as I'm concerned, all of that is worthless. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. You're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal without love. No matter what you do, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how many poor people you feed, no matter how many people you raised from the dead, without love, it's noise to God. It's irritating to God. That's the truth of the Bible, y'all. I'm not making this up. And I love all that Holy Ghost, power of God, spiritual gifts, anointing. I mean, that's part of a big part of my prayer life constantly is those things. Dreams and visions and revelations. But without love in the Lord's eyes, you have discounseled all of that. He was willing, all the good they did, he was willing, he was willing to say it's over with. No more good will be done as far as I'm concerned with this church without love. That's how severe it was in the Lord's eyes. It is the most severe admonishment that he gives any of the churches. That's a severe opposition when he's saying, and he went after some. If you read on, he went after some of these churches pretty hard. You know, like one, I think Smyrna, I think he said, you have a name that you're alive. He starts out, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. That's a pretty hard word, isn't it? That would be hard to hear. But that's, that's how he started with them. But this, this was the most harsh one. And I think we need to take it. I think we need to really take this to heart, y'all. And I think, especially in the United States today, I don't know about other countries, I don't live there, but I live here. I'm responsible for what's going on here. The church is responsible for what's going on here. You know, that was one of the reasons I got involved with Love Life, honestly. When they started telling me, like, oh, I ain't doing all that. Man, I'm, going, I'm not going to go out and protest an abortion. That ain't who I am. But they said, Byron, this is not about protest. This is about praying and blessing. That's what we're doing. We're praying that God would, would change things. We're not even, they won't even allow you to engage the, 
the bad guys, so to speak, that ever yelling obscenities at you and giving you the finger. And I had a woman one time, it was just me and a couple of guys went out through the week. She got right in my face and cursed, cussed me out into the ground. You know, I mean, I have a dirt in her eyes. You know what I was feeling? Laughter. I was thinking, you think this ball, you don't know where I came from, lady. I didn't say anything to her. You don't know the pit of hell I walked through. You didn't know me before I'm a guy here praying now. So none of this bothers me. It don't embarrass me. You know, if at one time I could have gone toe-to-toe with you on vileness. You know? God wants to get you. The only reason you're over here doing this is because God put you in my path to pray for you. And they got some demonic stuff over there now. Anyways, I got to stop, man. I got 10 more minutes. Let me slam it in gear and go, okay? Are y'all good? So he, this is what he said. Hey, you need to remember and repent. That's what Jesus said. You need to remember and repent. I want to just talk to you about remember because remember has become a big thing in my life, okay? Remember and repent. Why did he say remember? Listen, this is the truth of the Bible. That, and and this, is, this is amazing, really, y'all. This is so simple. This is a simple way to keep your passion for the Lord going. It's too simple. It seems like that can't be true, but it is true. And I can tell you it's true because I've been practicing it in my life. Uh, The path that leads to loss of passion for the Lord is not remembering the good things He has done. That's the path. Once you stop remembering the good things He's done in your life, you start headed down a dark road without even knowing it. And it's not tomorrow, not next week, but your path starts decaying. Listen, this is what Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. If you couldn't praise the Lord this morning, you can't praise the Lord. I thought, well, dang, oh, this is, they've given it all to us. They've made a complete way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies this morning. And anybody can praise the Lord in the Holy of They brought the tabernacle of David into this room. That's what I was feeling doing that worship. It's in here. It's easy to worship the Lord like that. It's glorious to worship the Lord like that. If you don't worship the Lord like that, you just don't want to. It's like, I don't want to worship the Lord. You know? That's, that's how I was feeling. But throughout all the, if you study the Old Testament, throughout the whole Old Testament, you will see that remembering was a big thing with the Lord. The generations. One of the first things that happened when they crossed over into the promised land under Joshua's leadership in Joshua is they built, what, memorial stones. And and Joshua said, you got to build it because you can look back to what I did and you can go back and tell your children what I did for them. How you cho- I tell your kids what you did to get delivered and got brought out of bondage and got brought through on dry ground and, they, and brought into this new place. That's what, that's what Joshua was trying to tell them. That was the first thing. And there's all, there's all these, there's chapters in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's chapters about remembering. There's complete chapters. And then in the Old Testament, you, if you'll, Pay attention, you'll find that Peter and Paul and John, all three of those mighty apostles in their letters, they keep going back and talking about stuff that happened to them, what God did for them. Even at the Paul at the end of his life was talking about his encounter with the Lord. He was telling people about it. He always remembered what God did. And he kept recounting those things of what God did. Okay, are y'all with me? Let me read this Genesis 
this is really cool. Y'all ever heard of Young's literal? Yes. Anybody ever heard of Young's literal translation of the Bible? It's hard to read because it's literal. Some stuff you read in, like, duh, what the heck? Because everything's all flipped around. But it's a literal, word-for-word translation. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. I love this. This is uh, in the garden when God was speaking to them, like, what the heck have you done right after they ate the fruit? You know, he, was confr- he confronted Adam first, and Adam blamed it on her, right? Guys, it was her. You know, Paul, Paul, I can hear Tim right now. It's Paula did it, Lord. I mean, you know. It's Paula's fault. It's Becky's fault, Lord. And this is, and, and so Jehovah God said to the woman, what is this that thou, come on, y'all, thou hast, hast done? In other words, what have you done? <laughs> and the woman saith, <laughs> I don't love these, these over, some people love all that, it's poetic, but yeah. Listen to this, the, ser- the serpent has caused me to forget, and I do eat. The serpent caused me to forget all the good that God had given me. And because I forgot it, I began to focus on the one thing he didn't give me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's where we begin to go wrong, right in the garden of God. We begin to move away from God. We move away from God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't deliver me. God didn't help me. I didn't get that job. That girl rejected me. And we begin to focus on that thing. And when we do, we begin to forget the good things that God's already done in your life. And once we begin to forget, we begin to lose passion for the Lord. We begin to, there was one of the girls yesterday. I loved her testimony. She said she got pregnant, I think. Yeah, she was a, went to a church, I think. Is that the one? And she said, I began to suspect, be suspicious of God that he was holding out on me. Didn't have his best intentions for me. And she winds up, supposedly Christian girl, and she sneaked, huh? Yeah, she was pregnant. And she goes off and has this abortion. So nobody, I'm going to church, smiling, fake smile. But she had this thing about God. Suddenly, like Eve, like he's holding out on you, Eve. Oh, I forgot, he's not holding out on me. He's already given me everything. He just said, don't eat that. You don't want to eat that. It'll kill you. He was protecting them. Are y'all following this? This is a, a mighty verse in the Bible. It's really changed my life. Let me just tell you this. This is what I did. Okay, this is me, my practical little example. Remember, this really helped me a lot. Okay, so I was struggling. I was having this struggle all through the COVID stuff with all the COVID stuff, the church stuff, the political stuff, and I began to feel like I was being distracted by it, and I really started feeling like it was starting to hurt my relationship with the Lord. That's how it felt to me, like, I don't want this, Lord. I don't want all this. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to follow you. I signed up to be, be with you. I didn't sign up to argue with people about vaccines or about who's the president or if they stole the dogged thing or not. I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to follow you and see the kingdom come and see people's lives change. And so I was struggling in my heart. And I began to think about how can, what can I do? And that's when I read that verse. I read that verse and I realized, you know what I'm not doing is I am not being thankful. So I decided this is what I'm going to do. Every day 
when I get in bed at night, I'm going to go over my day intentionally. This is what I do. I intentionally go through my day and think about what happened that day. And if it's big or little, if it's just I hung out my grandkids at home and just felt joy, I say, Lord, thank you for that moment. Sometimes it's really awesome stuff. But what, has, what began to happen with me is it really began to cause my faith to wake up. Suddenly I began to start seeing things differently. You know what Jesus said? Y'all can remember this verse, Matthew seven eleven, right? You know the seven eleven store? Matthew 7, this is what Jesus said. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, listen, how much more, I think I've said this before, but this, this is powerful. How much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? And so what I started doing was like in the mornings, I have these prayers And you know what I do? I quote that scripture. I declare that scripture. I declare what David said. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Lord, today is a day of goodness and mercy. Today, and here's some good things I would like from you, Lord. Okay? First, Lord, give me the abstract ones. The ones that you just want to do that I don't have no clue about. I want you to go ahead and release those to me. Okay, Lord, here's a couple problems I have. I need some good things to come into these problems. Okay, Lord, I got a lot of spiritual things I pray about that I want from the Lord. Okay? So I go through that list with him every morning of my life. Every morning of my life. And what I see is when you begin to do that and then when you begin to recount those things in the, at the end of the day, your heart grows warm towards the Lord. You begin to see God. I'm telling you, y'all, it may sound simplistic. It may sound foolish, but I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you, that's why Jesus said, listen, listen, y'all. That's why he said, you need to remember You need to remember from where you've fallen. Remember what I have done in your life that calls you in the first place to desire me and to love me and want to have a relationship with me. Because nobody wants to have a relationship with somebody they don't care about. That's why people break up and argue and and mean to each other. And it's the same thing with the Lord. That's, That's what he told them. That was his answer for this church that had this severe situation going on. This mighty, beautiful church. This mighty, remember last week I told you how powerful that church was? The greatest revival in the, in the book of Acts was in that church. The mighty, they had all these mighty people. John the Apostle leading it. Paul started it. Timothy pastored it at one point. It was amazing. Apollos taught there. Aquila and Priscilla was there ministering. I mean, they had it all. They had it all. They had the best. Jerusalem didn't have the best. They had the best because by this point, there was this mighty revelation of the grace of God and the goodness of God that was flowing. And Jesus was saying, you're going to lose it all. And all this stuff you've done, it won't count no more because you have lost the thing that's most important is love. 
You know, what is sometimes, Lord, is that what you would say to us today? And I'm not here to judge anybody because I'm in. I'm into the whole thing. I'm with. I'm a with guy. You know, if it's bad, I'm with. If it's good, I'm with. If the fall festival is bad, I'm with y'all. I'm, it was bad. If it's good, I'm with y'all. It was good. But I'm going down or I'm going up with everybody else, right? And I just think we really need to really look at this. You know, we really do, y'all. We need to really think about what we're doing now. We, we really need to take a step back. In our country, the church needs to take a step back and take a hard look at some things. And I don't think that God is disappointed and is mad at the church. I believe there was going to be that church. That's how I have, I'm choosing to see the church. The bride has prepared herself. Oh, these are some things we need to fix to prepare ourselves. Let's dump all this crazy stuff we're doing. Let's quit being what we've been. Let's don't be negative. Let's, don't, let's find this love for the Lord again and we'll, we'll be all right. And we'll have some answers for this nation. An answer that they can't, they can't, they, you can't stop. Love's unstoppable. Let me finish, y'all. When we remember the good things that God has done, it opens the door for the power of the past to come into your present situation. When you remember the good things God has done in your life, it opens the door in the spirit for the power of the past to come into your present situation. Why do I say that? What did Jesus say about celebrating the Lord's Supper? Do this in remembrance of me. When we celebrate that supper, we are opening the door for the power of the new covenant to begin to work in us in a fresh way. It wasn't just some dumb thing to do. To rem- Oh, that was a good memory. Jesus died on the cross. No, there's something spiritual that can happen when we do communion. There's power can get released because we're remembering something that's powerful and unique and is impacting. And when we remember it, it opens a door for it to touch us in a fresh way. And it can be the same thing all the way down the line for every good thing God has done for you. That if you'll begin to remember those things, it opens the door for God to move in your life and work in your life instead of being so focused on a negative future of what you don't have right now because that's the devil talking to you. That's the devil saying, look what you don't have. Look what God didn't do. And when you put your focus on that, you're going to spin down. Are y'all okay? Let me finish. Okay, yeah, okay. So I'm going to skip over Nicolaitans. We can catch that because another, just for time's sake, that's kind of important though because another church had the same, same issues. Let me just say this, okay, about hating something. Jesus said, told them, y'all hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He didn't say they hated the, hated the Nicolaitans. He said, you hate what they do. And basically, here's what they do, Nicolaitans. Well, there's a couple of views on it, but the one I think is really the best is, because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us about these Nicolaitans here. It just says they show up. But the, there's no scripture that explains what that Nicolaitan thing is. But really, there's two things. Let me just move on from that. Cause, oh, yeah. that's too late. <laughs> too late. All right, one of them is, let me read it to you right quick. I'll do it quick, okay? Uh, this refers to followers of Nicholas, the Jerusalem deacon who fell to error. 
Acts 6, 5, one of the original deacons. This is what church fathers believe. He was the beginning of this cult called the Nicolaitans. This was the common view among early church fathers. For example, Arrhenius in the second century taught that Nicolaitans were without restraint in their indulgence of the flesh, especially with immorality. They taught people to continue in sin without repentance because they lived in a sinful world. Remember I told you, they couldn't even go into the shopping center to buy goods without bowing to, to uh, the Caesar and throwing a piece of dogged incense down and speaking with your mouth that he's Lord over all. And so there was a compromise in that temple that was there of Diana, the many-breasted woman that they, people indulged in sexually. Remember I said you go to worship. What do you do? You go to have sex with a prostitute, male or female. And there was this compromise, like, okay, you can do all that and still be a believer. You, and Jesus says, I hate that. I hate that theology. I hate anything that says my people can indulge in sin and they're going to be okay. It's not okay because it'll destroy you. That's why he hates it. He don't hate it because people are just doing bad things. He hates it because it's destructive. It's destructive. I was saying this morning, I don't want to be that kind of person that wakes up one day and is like, oh my gosh, I have ruined my life living my destructive thoughts, doing what I thought was right. I don't want to be that guy. I want to wake up one day when it's the end, like, thank God, God by his mercy and grace kept me from going my own way and living for self. The other view on the Nicolaitans, I'm going to finish this, is a transliteration of two Greek words. Nico means to rule. And Laos, the people, therefore one who rules over the people. This view refers to any teaching that exalts the clergy over the people or any church system that exalts leaders over people. Is that not what America needs to fix in the church? Is get rid of this thing that we've done? Celebrity Christianity, celebrity worship leaders, celebrity people... Celebrity YouTube preachers. That's what it's talking about, y'all. Now, the Lord doesn't, doesn't love that. So that's why Jesus said he hated it. Let me say this about the tree of life, and then we'll go home, okay? It'll be quick. But that's what he told them. He said, I'm going to give you the tree of life if you overcome. Well, it just so happens that that temple of Diana, the many-breasted woman, okay, they were palm well, I understand those were palm things on her palm. Uh, anyways, it was built. No, not leaves. It was the palm, whatever, palm fruit. The, this temple in Ephesus was built on the side of an ancient tree shrine. Listen to this. It was built on a tree shrine, okay? A date palm tree. This was real to these people, and he said, I'm going to give you the tree of life. They, they knew what he was saying to them. We, we think something else. We probably think right about it, but to them it meant a whole different thing. A day palm, it was not, this place was known as a refuge, as a place of salvation. A place of salvation. There were even coins in Ephesus that had a date palm tree on them. It was their tree of life and their tree of salvation. Women would go and touch these things, touch this idol because she was the fertility goddess and so 
It was a promise that women could have babies that couldn't have babies. It was a promise to people who had sexual issues that you would be okay and be sexually fulfilled, which is important in God's kingdom, y'all. I mean, I'm not talking about in a perverse way, but in a real way, that they would have long life, and even women would have protection in their childbirth, and their babies would be born healthy. They would go there and touch that thing so they could have that, Okay? She was, this, this goddess Diana was considered the basis of life there in Ephesus. And Jesus says this, if you can overcome, I'll give you my, the real tree of life. Isn't that amazing that he said that? This is what, you don't need that tree. That tree is death. That tree will destroy you. That tree will destroy your children. That tree will destroy your schools. That tree will cause kids to kill themselves in school bathrooms. That's the tree that we eat of. And he's saying, listen, I've got a tree. And he promised those people, if you'll take this tree and you'll quit putting your hands on that and put your hands on this tree, you'll live. You will live. Your children will live. You will have life. You have fulfillment. Isn't that amazing that Jesus promised that? And that promise was so real to them at that moment. It was so real to them. It's real to us. Jesus has promised each one of us the tree of life. He who has an ear, that's what he said. You've got to have an ear to hear. If you hear him, you can become that overcomer. And let me just make one last thing. That word overcomer doesn't mean you've arrived. Did y'all know that? If you look at the word, you know what it means? You have decided to head that way. I'm on the road towards this person. I ain't arrived yet. I'm not perfect yet, but I am walking on the road to an overcomer. I've made that decision, and I'm walking away from this other stuff that has tried to destroy me and keep me down. That's what that word overcomer means there. In God's eyes, when you make that decision, to him, he looks at you and says, you're an overcomer. And you're saying, no, no, I ain't no, Lord, I'm still tempted. Still messing up, Lord. He, no, you're an overcomer. That's how he views you. Just keep going. Just keep walking towards me. Just keep on the path. And one day, what I said will become the truth. It'll be your experience. But it's your reality right now, whether you know it or not, if you've made that decision. So let's just stand up, and we're going to be... Who did this meeting anyway? <laughs> Seth. Come on up here, Mr. Seth. Hey, wow, y'all missed a great worship night the other night. Well, some of y'all did. Seth did a great job leading worship the other night, I thought. Well, of course, Sarah Gallon. We don't ever have to say that about Sarah. Everybody knows that about Sarah. You know what I love about Sarah Gallon? This is what I love about Sarah Gallon. She's a worshiper. She is not a Christian, you know, trying to be a Christian something, musician or popular or something. She just is a worshiper who happens to be really good. <laughs> Seth's really good, too. Don't y'all love Seth? Yes. Lord bless Seth. Come on to him. Unfold your arms, son. <laughs> yeah. Lord, thank you for Seth. Thank you for Sarah. And all the other young people, Lord, you're raising up in this hour. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Lord, I just pray for the young people, especially we mentioned them about being overcomers and all this spirit of suicide and destruction that's happening in our schools. And we pray for that family, Lord, that lost their 
child this week, the horror story they're living right now. We just ask you somehow to give them hope and bring salvation out of this tragedy, Lord. Bring a move of God in Morrisville High School, Lord. Bring a real revival there. That's what we're asking you for. But Lord, we don't want to, I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus this morning. I know it's time to go, but let's just take this moment about being an overcomer. Okay? I, I want you to think in your mind, have you ever really considered yourself to be an overcomer? And I want you to say, yes, Lord, to being an overcomer. That I'm going to repent. I'm going to change the way I think. And because I change the way I think, I'm going to go in a different direction in my life. I'm not going to let the sin that so easily besets me rule my life and give me my identity and tell me what I am. I'm going to let what Jesus said tell me who I am. Okay? I'm going to let that be the thing that guides me. And I'm going to determine today that I'm going to begin to agree with him. That I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm already an overcomer. And I just want to thank you, Lord, that you're doing that. If you feel that, just say yes to the Lord. That's all I'm saying. Just say yes to him. I want to, Lord, I want to stop this foolishness in my life, Lord. I want to stop this stuff. I want to stop the things that are keeping me bound, Lord. I want to stop the thoughts that are wrecking me. God wants us to be free in Him. He wants you to know He loves you. He wants you to love Him. If you will let Him love you, you will love Him dearly. If you'll just begin to think about what He's already done for you, your love will begin to, to stir. It'll stir in you. Because God's a lover. He can't help it. Amen. That was really good. Thanks, Barn. Let it sink deeper, Lord, into our hearts. And let us remember. I want to thank everyone here just for hosting the presence of the Lord. You just are, are all really wonderful. And I'm really grateful that, that for your devotion and dedication to the Lord's heart. And what's on the Father's heart, it really changes the whole atmosphere in here. So we have all each other to thank for the Lord coming in and really helping us and changing our hearts and blessing us so we can rejoice in each other in that way. Um, one more thing, there's a prayer vigil at Morrisville High School. When is it, Marlon? At 2 p.m. today. So... If you're interested and have a heart to go there and have time to do that, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll really bless you and touch the Lord's heart for their family and for other kids there. So, Lord, we love you. We carry you out of this building and to, to be set apart and, and to love this, this world. Let love be our, our highest goal, Lord. Um, we need you. We need your heart, Lord. We ask for your heart and your love to flow through us, to be poured into us so we can pour it out into others. Give us the boldness and courage to love on another level this next week. Um, 
because you so dearly loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, yeah, if you need prayer, come up. The ministry team is going to be up here. If you, if you need prayer regarding anything today, come forward.